You're listening to Sunny Side Up, a bite-sized podcast that brings you real-world insights that help go-to-market professionals evolve and stay up-to-date on the latest trends. Join us as we share best practices and proven techniques from industry experts and practitioners. Today's episode is made possible by Demand Matrix. Demand Matrix helps you complete your data stack with technographic, intent, and revenue potential data to help you accelerate revenue. Thanks for listening. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Sunny Side Up. I'm your host, Mark Bedard. Today, super excited to talk to Janefa Murphy on the evolution of marketing metrics, the FIRE framework. Janefa Murphy is the Chief Marketing Officer of MicroFocus. In this role, she partners closely with the MicroFocus selling and support teams to ensure that MicroFocus is mobilizing around the go-to-market activities to help customers and partners understand the value that MicroFocus portfolio can bring within the domain of digital transformation. Janefa, I've said this a lot of times to you. I, I, I can't repeat it enough. I'm incredibly excited to have you on the show. Welcome. Super excited to be here. Thanks for having me. This is a, when you were telling me about the topic earlier, a very intriguing topic that I know a lot of our listeners are going to gain a lot from. So I, I want you to explain it to them uh, from a summary perspective. Give them a little framework to the framework. Why are we talking about the FIRE framework in the first place? Sure, yeah. So talking about the FIRE framework is really because there is a lot of discussion recently about what metrics really matter, what metrics matter to marketers, what metrics matter to the business, and how do you create better alignment between the marketing team and, you know, your peers in sales and other parts of the organization. And so I think the FIRE framework and the FIRE approach really helps uh, to contribute to that evolution of the metrics that matter most. Love it. Can you walk us through a little bit of that evolution? What have we seen previously? What What is it going toward? Like for, for some of us practitioners uh, out there listening that, that might not know uh, the full landscape or don't have that kind of synopsis, can you outline it for us? Definitely. So um, I think over time, um, the metrics that have often mattered to marketing have been a lot of focuses centered around the marketing qualified lead. Right. So that's always been one of those golden metrics for marketing. But recently um, and actually over the, the past several years, there's definitely been a move away from that. And how can you look more at a customer centric view to marketing metrics? Right. The marketing qualified lead is very much about marketing and what marketing can produce. But how do you turn that to be much more about the customer? Uh, and then the other piece of it as well is just in the current climate, budgets are always tight, uh, even tighter right now. So how do you make sure that you're looking at the right metrics to show the end-to-end value uh, in a real closed-loop approach to uh, to marketing, pipeline, and revenue? Got it. Okay. So obviously, w- you know, we'll talk more about the metrics here while when we go into the framework, but you alluded it to there. 
uh, around the alignment between sales and marketing, and I, I would imagine the broader you know go to market organization. So that's you're you're essentially looking at that from a customer centric lens rather than just exclusively a marketing lens. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, we're we're always concerned, um, you know, about sort of internal politics, making sure that we've got alignment within our teams. But I think the thing that we all need to do is just take a step back and say, what does this mean for the customer journey? I mean, at the end of the day, that's the most important thing, because whether you're in the marketing team or in the sales team, what you're trying to do is you're trying to influence and accelerate that customer journey, make it the best experience so that the customer is going to buy from you. They're going to stay with you. They're going to stay loyal to you. Um, And so just just looking at things through the lens of the customer versus, you know, looking at things internally, taking that outside in versus the inside out approach. I love it. Uh, it makes sense, right? Uh, the MQL in general is is very much in the beginning of of all of this, right? It's the interest that the, the prospect is showing. It's mm-hmm. qualified enough so that the sales folks will be able to follow up. This sounds way more holistic in nature. This sounds like you're not just looking at, uh, to your point, the MQL, but you're looking at the entire customer journey and aligning metrics across that. Am I wrong? Exactly. That's exactly it, right? The MQL, great. There's a lot of people that will say death to the MQL, the MQL <laughs> dead, um, you know, read some great papers on that. And, and I get it. Um, and I think MQL is is a good metric. It's just it's just one metric. You need to have a much more holistic approach. That's the way to do modern marketing. I love it. And I, I suppose that's what we're going to be talking about right here with the fire framework. Yeah, that's the goal. All right. Hit me with it. What What is it? Okay. So the FIRE approach or the, the FIRE framework um, sort of aligns around four key pieces, focus, intent, ROI, and engagement, right? As marketers, there is a wealth of data and knowledge available to us that if we just take a step back and apply some of that logic, we can make sure that the metrics that matter to marketers measure what matters to us so that we can guide our teams, but also matter to the business and matter to customers. So that's what you know I call the FIRE approach. So focus, intent, ROI, and engagement takes a little bit more holistic view of how you look at metrics uh, and looks at that full customer journey. Got it. Okay. Go ahead, please. So start with focus. So too often, you know, marketing teams, especially those that are in more well-established markets and microfocus, you know, we've been around for 40 years. Um, We're in pretty well-established domains in terms of the IT and technology sector. They sometimes forget to really spend their time on the basics of reassessing things like their ideal customer profile. So focus is all about how you create this Venn diagram between your ideal customer profile, your target uh, total addressable market, and then ultimately your target account list. And if you do that and you spend the time to look at where do we really need to be focusing our efforts and who do we need to be focusing our efforts at, it actually leads to a lot more optimization of resources. It leads to a lot more alignment with the sales team and can ultimately help you create what I call the hit list, which is um getting alignment between sales and marketing, not on, for example, the metrics around the number of leads you want around volume of leads, but it's about who, who do you want to go after? 
um, which accounts, which contacts, which personas. So it's really about creating focus and using all the data that's available to you with your ideal customer profile, your total addressable market, and then the target account list to create this hit list that you can then align sales and marketing on. And then you can track it effectively. So take an example, right? You want to target specific accounts, not a genre of accounts, but specific logos, specific names and specific people within those accounts that can be a lot more tangible and a lot easier to measure than going after something more generic which what often can happen if you just look at one element of that like the buyer persona or the ideal customer profile totally makes sense and i I can i can instantly see how this is going to be drastically different from let me just generate as many mqls as humanly possible it's way more aligned to specifically who the salespeople are actually looking to get in contact with. Um, you're breaking down the walls big time on this kind of approach. So what, walk me through a little bit about the specifics then, Jennifer. You know, how, who does, I guess, who decides this first? Is it sales? Is it marketing? Is it sales partnering with marketing? Marketing partnering with sales? How, yeah. how does it actually work? Yeah, it's it's always going to be it's always going to be a combination and a collaboration and it should be, right? But I think definitely the marketing team is on point to create that ideal customer profile based on what they know from product management, from R&D, from sales, from the market, right? The role of the marketer is really to be that voice of the customer and to understand and survey the full landscape within which they're organization operates within. So I think the the marketing team is on point first. They're helping to build the ideal customer profile, uh, which represents their target customer, um, includes things like geography, industry, company size, solution characteristics. That has inputs from R&D and product management. And then you've got to take it to sales because there is no point in coming up with a hypothetical ideal customer profile if your selling teams don't believe that that's representative of the market and don't believe that they have the skills and the opportunity to go sell it. Then if you look at the total addressable market, Lots of data out there. There are a ton of vendors that provide information, whether it's analysts or um, additional vendors that give you information on the total addressable market. But you also then need to really get sales. That's where they have um, a point. Uh, role to play because sales know, for example, well, what have the customer spent? What have they purchased? Getting that knowledge about the customer 360 um, really, really helps you because then you can start to determine, for example, how loyal is a customer? Have they um, been a repeat purchaser? Have they only purchased one of your products or do you have multiple and they've cross purchased products as well. So ideal customer profile, I would say the marketing team are on point to start that. They need to have inputs across the board. The total addressable market, use analyst data, use external data, but then you really need the sales knowledge that they have about their customers, um, about what people have spent and what people might be willing to spend based on their account knowledge. Got it. And then I assume the target accounts, the last piece of that is really the collaboration of the both, right? It's sales and marketing jointly deciding these are the accounts we're going after. Exactly. To me, the target account list is an equation and it should include the ICP, the potential to spend, which includes the TAM, the existing footprint with an account and the available budget in that customer and that customer's propensity to buy, which is historical spend patterns, loyalty of the account, etc. So 
you want to get to your target account list, you need the ICP essentially times it by your potential to spend times it by your propensity to buy. Got it. So you're talking a little bit about propensity, and I assume that's a pretty good segue into the I. For sure. So I is all about, yep, I is all about intent. So measuring intent, I believe, is one of the most powerful tools in the marketer's arsenal, right? I mean, you can relate this. I mean, think about, um, you know, when a ball is being played in a game of soccer, football or basketball, depending on uh, which variation you go for. Right. (laughs) I mean, uh, you know, if player A has got the ball and player B is the receiver, um, if player B is static, you pass to where they are. Simple. But if player B is moving, player A is taught to kick or throw the ball where player B is moving to, not where they are. You throw or you kick ahead, right? You've been taught that since you were a kid. You don't, if someone's moving, you don't hit where they they are, you hit where they're going. And that's exactly the same when it comes to marketing. There's a turn of metrics and data that you can look at when your customer is on your site, um, and that actually they've landed on your site and they are engaged with you already. But by looking at intent data, whether it's intent to purchase or intent to engage, that actually becomes more powerful because you get in ahead of the game, right? You're thinking ahead of where the customer could potentially be going. And that can actually be a much stronger metric because you're getting to them before they've even got to that awareness stage. It might be the, uh, you know, the research stage or the inspiration stage, right? Pinterest is a great example of this in the B2C world. The same can apply in B2B. Yeah. So intent is, is something that gets brought up quite a bit. And I feel like a lot of our viewers are uh, still wondering how to use it or how to put it to work. Is there any like any advice you can give them on on the best ways to actually operationalize intent information or or how should they be viewing it? Yeah. So I think, um, you know, and and there's lots of different tools out there um, that help with getting uh uh, intent data, right? Whether it's pure data, uh, data clouds themselves, things like Dun and Bradshaw, um, Inside View, or whether it's intent platforms like Sixth Sense or Bombora or Zoom Info. I think the key thing is again thinking about as a marketer, your customer is not just your external customer, but sales. How would sales use the intent data in a meaningful way? So as sellers, sellers always want to prioritize their efforts on what's going to help them retire their quota, what's going to help them to get the biggest deal or to you know make sure that they retain that customer for even longer and they engage them further. So being able to package up that intent data in a sort of meaningful way for sales so that it can be easily used to have better conversations with customers is is really a key part of this. Okay, makes sense. So it should be very tactical in nature then. I mean, we should be thinking very much, you know, what, what kind of intelligence can we provide sales so that they're not passing, to your point, passing the ball behind someone. They're anticipating where the customer is going to be and uh, already being there with a potential solution or whatever it happens to be ready to go. Exactly. Intent is very strategic as a domain, but I think the actions can be quite tactical. It can be passing it to sales, as you described, or using the intent data to properly target digital advertisements, as an example, right, which has been around for a long time, um, but which now you can even get even savvier with. 
Got it. Yeah. And that would be more on the marketing front rather than the sales front. But I think that's a good good point to call out. It can be leveraged from a lot of different angles, right? Exactly. Okay, cool. I get it. Makes sense. Okay, so we move on to the we've got the focus, we've got the intent. The R is all about return on investment. Right. So um, return investment. I'm a big fan. I think a lot of marketers are. It can be notoriously hard to track, um, but I think it's a really critical element. I mean, if you look at a recent study I was looking at um, from Gartner, they did their annual CMO spend study and they said that despite the positive outlooks, almost half of CMOs were facing mid-year budget cuts in 2020 as a direct result of the current pandemic um, and then other changes that were going on in their business. So that's not really, um, you know, a surprise, but it is why measuring ROI is still a fundamental to how smart CMOs can ensure their contribution to the business doesn't go unnoticed because ROI makes sure that the contribution of marketing doesn't just stop at pipeline or awareness. It goes all the way through to revenue at the end and revenue matters to the business as a whole. If marketing can help generate more revenue and influence more revenue, accelerate revenue generation, then that's all a positive. So, um, you know, I think you can look at ROI at different levels. Um, you know, my team, we look at ROI of pipeline. So for every dollar spent, how much pipeline are we getting back and how much revenue are we getting back? I think what it also allows you to do is it allows you to have a more objective discussion about the things that work and the things that don't. Right. So as Denning would have said, without data, you're just another person with an opinion. And we all know that in marketing and sales, lots of people have opinions. So the ROI helps you, uh, in my opinion, to be able to look at, um, you know, what are the trade offs more make more informed trade offs um, and be able to align your budget as a marketer with the sales goals. Um, it doesn't mean that you don't take risks. It doesn't mean that you don't try new things. Sometimes people think, well, if you track ROI and everything has to have a return and investment in a dollar perspective, then I'm never going to focus on awareness or I'm never going to be able to try new things because this is an experiment and we don't know what the ROI would be. But I think it's not about that. It's about having edge cases where you can do that. You can still take risks. You can still experiment. But having an underlying concept of measuring ROI and just taking an objective approach to what works, what actually delivers and what doesn't, no matter who shouts the loudest. Mm, absolutely. I like that. I mean, you're right. Everyone's got an opinion in sales and marketing. So the ROI really ties into something tangible. I think being objective in that is a very difficult thing for a lot of organizations to do. Uh, a lot of the time, you know, we're dealing the marketer, for instance, uh, is being tasked with driving MQLs, right? Mm -hmm. And you know, it's viewed from an organizational perspective, or maybe the, the marketer feels that it's viewed uh, from that perspective. If the campaigns don't drum up enough MQLs to meet the number or whatever it happens to be, that, um, you know, they failed, right? They, they haven't done their, their job adequately. And I, I think like that happens so, so much across so many companies. It, you were talking about something a little bit earlier on where, it, it sounded almost more targeted on the focus step there, Jennifer, where mm -hmm. you were saying, you know, don't just tie it to an MQL or something broad like that. 
um, always, right? Tie it to something more specific. If these are the key individuals that we're looking to drum up a meeting for, for instance, mm-hmm. then let's market to them and start, you know, uh, generating a, uh, I don't know, a metric around that specifically. Is that like, do you have examples of, of those kinds of uh, tangible use cases we could share with the audience? Yeah. So, I mean, I think, and it's exactly that, right? I, I call it sometimes that the MQL can appear like the faceless lead, right? Yeah, we've got um, X number of MQLs, but to, to a sales person, right, sometimes that doesn't mean anything, right? They live in, most of them live in accounts, right? They're targeting certain accounts, certain customers. They want to create that level of sort of um, engagement and intimacy. And so I think the other thing to think about is when it comes to ROI, ROI often is associated obviously with a dollar value. How much value are you driving out of the volume of activities that you do? But I think you also um, need to look at things like awareness and perception and preference. So what's the ROI, for example, of a PR campaign? That may be measured completely differently to how you may measure um, a webinar that you might do. And so I think um, looking at things like that, so looking at more, again, holistic metrics that show the contribution of marketing, things like active reach, right? So um, going back to contacts, you know, what's the level of diligence you've got on your contact database, right? Are you tracking the number of opt-ins? Are you tracking um, if people, if you're a multi-product company, um, engagement where they have interest in multiple of your products versus just one of your maybe lines of business? Um, Looking at share of voice and your domain authority within the media or within social, uh, looking at the sentiment as well. So I think um, all of those are are key additional metrics that can come under the banner of ROI, but just in a slightly different flavor to what we traditionally look at ROI at, which is a, a dollar and a pipeline driven metric. Sure. Absolutely. Makes sense. And back in the day, I, I, those are viewed a little more soft, mm-hmm. but um, now, like you're saying, I think the technology has advanced to the level where uh, those things can be tracked, right, quantitatively. We can actually point a number to it, um, what you know numerically our, our, our brand sentiment is out there, and so on. Um, that evolution, I can I can imagine, really uh, made it possible to to leverage more. Uh, intangible things mm-hmm. uh, in those kinds of calculations or those ROI calculations. Yeah, and a lot of it comes down to education as well, right? Because, um, you know, we've all got the same, a lot of teams have got the same muscle memory that they just associate marketing activities with pipeline, with these faceless leads. They don't think about some of those softer metrics, which, like you say, can be measured quantitatively now. And you can create a benchmark, you can set a target, and you can say, you know, with some good authority as to whether or not you actually achieved achieved that um, benchmark or you achieved your target or you exceeded your baseline year over year, as an example. I love, you know, I'm a sales guy, obviously. So coming, you know, and hearing the faceless lead, that that just really resonates with, with me. I think that that is a perfect explanation of how a lot of sales folks view just an MQL coming through, right? Mm-hmm. It is just another MQL. I'm going to qualify, disqualify it, try to understand it. Now, if you're saying, hey, I've got uh, a person that I've been trying to reach out to at one of my target accounts that I, I know a lot about on the line or interested in X, Y, and Z, or even if you're just telling me some piece of insight around that person, that is a whole different scenario. You know, that person, that 
that lead has a face to it, right? I know ex- I know a lot about that. Exactly. Um, and couple it with intent, then it becomes really powerful because not only can you say, hey, I've got person X on the line from company Y, but in addition to that, I can tell you that based on their digital footprint, they've been on these pages on our website, but they're also searching, for example, for uh, these keywords. Um, they're searching about our competitors. So you're now you're now actually giving something that the salesperson can really use and create a personalized conversation. And that's where the E of the FIRE framework comes in. So if you've got focus, intent, ROI, the E is all about engagement. Hmm. So talk to me about it. What What is, what's the engagement? You're, you're reaching out to that person. You're actually literally engaging with those, with those prospects. Yeah. So, so, I mean, over the years, right, marketers have used a variety of different metrics um, to track what I'll call perceived engagement, right? The most notable of them being the infamous MQL, right? The lead or prospect that engages with you in some way and as a result gets qualified. And then, you know, that gets passed on to uh, onto the, the sales team or the BDR or the LDR, depending on what your process is within the account. But, you know, what what could be a a better metric? And I think that's where um, engagement with the customer, right? How much are they engaging with the content? So instead of tracking the MQL alone, and I do think that there's still validity um, in, you know, looking at the leads, right? You can look at, um, you know, engagement as a whole. So, for example, do you have an online community, Is that customer going to your online community? Are they contributing in knowledge portals? Are they um, engaging with you on social media? Um, Have they connected uh, with you on LinkedIn or with Twitter? Right. That then starts to become um, this notion of the conversation ready lead, right? Someone who's willing to have a conversation with you, who's willing to engage with you, not just who's willing to actually tell you, hey, yes, I've got budget, need, authority, and a timeline, right? They actually want to talk to you about something, right? So they, if they're engaging with your community platforms, if they're engaging on social media, if they're actually spending time reading your content, liking the content, sharing the content, that then can be a whole package of information that can be given to the sales rep so that he can actually or she can have a much more engaged conversation. And it all goes back to this notion, in my opinion, of you know brand intimacy, So a lot of times, whether it's B2B or B2C, um, those buyers want brand intimacy. They want to focus on the emotional experience, the engagement and meaningful engagements versus um, just, you know, that faceless lead, that very tactical, you know, you could be asking me the question that you're going to ask another thousand people out there versus, hey, you've actually spent time to understand what I'm interested in and what I care about. I think that brand intimacy piece is so critical. And and for our viewers out there, Jennifer writes a lot. You know, we're we're really really happy to have her at Sunnyside Up. I'm gonna give you the plug here, Jennifer. I think there's a Forbes <laughs> article you wrote, uh, the evolution of a chief marketing officer. Correct? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, yep. I did. And that in that article talks a lot about brand intimacy and the importance of it. So I'd really recommend to our, our listeners, you know, just. Type in Jennifer Murphy on on Google, and I think it's the the third result on there. Or go to Forbes and, and check it out. It's the evolution of a chief marketing officer. Um, you know, talks a lot about this kind of thing as well. I, I couldn't agree more. I think it's really interesting too. 
um, not just, uh, you know, you're treating effectively MQLs the same or, or you call them leads, but people the same. You're really looking at each individual person and the customer journey that each individual has had. And you're treating that very differently uh, through using many, many different data points and, and fields, I assume. So um, it's top notch, obviously. It's really, really excellent. And that's it. We've got so much data that's available to us now. And, and yeah, you have to be able to automate and scale things for sure. I mean, you know, at Microfocus, we've got 380 products. So it's not like we're just, you know, handling 10 leads a day. You know, we're handling thousands of leads a day. So you have to leverage automation and data um, in order to be able to scale. But it is that notion of treating customers like people. Right. They're not just a faceless lead. They want to be engaged. They want to have personalization. People expect in the B2B world what they get in the B2C world. I don't see that changing anytime soon. Uh, I couldn't agree more. I had many conversations on, on that evolution. Uh, and I think that's, uh, oh, I want to say it's a fact yet, but it's it's certainly looking more real, especially after uh, in, during and after the pandemic here. For you sure. know, the the blurred lines between B two C and B two B continue to to compound. So mm-hmm. I agree. All right, I, I love it. So we got F focus, I intent, R R O I, E engagement, the fire framework as a whole, talking toward the evolution of marketing metrics. It, Give us a summary, Jennifer. You know what? Uh, how should the the team be looking at it? Because uh, from a full, I guess, macro level, if you were to zoom out thirty thousand feet and summarize it for the listeners, that was a lot of, of in depth intelligence about each piece. But holistically, how should we be viewing the fire framework, and how should we really put it to work? Yeah, I think the key is is really just taking a step back and seeing things through the lens of the customer, right? So using the wealth of knowledge, the data, the technology, everything's there, that you are seeing things through the lens of the customer and you're looking truly at the end-to-end journey. So that's everything from your pre-target to post-sales engagement and you make sure that you target the right people at the right time and you personalize for the accounts and the customers that matter most to your business. I love it. Beautiful summary. Um, so I, we're wrapping, obviously. We, again, could not thank you enough, Jennifer, for coming on. It has been excellent and really, really exciting to talk with you. Um, we, we always ask people to, you know, sunny side up. So we ask people to egg a couple people. Mm-hmm. Are, there, are there two people that you would recommend that we also bring on the show? Yeah, sure. So, um, and thank you guys for having me. Really appreciate it. The two people that I would like to egg, I don't know, that's that's a, a bad thing in England if you egg someone. But <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll go with uh, Gene Cornfield. He's, um, he's the MD at Century Interactive. He wrote a great piece on uh, Harvard Business Review uh, earlier this year that talked about the most important metrics you're not tracking yet. And it was all about... CPIs, aka customer performance indicators versus just KPIs. Uh, And then the other one would be uh, Chris Lockhead, who's a former Silicon Valley CMO. Uh, He's been called the godfather of category design, but he has an awesome approach that he talks about how you can become legendary by being different and not just better. So yeah, those would be my two, Gene Kornfeld and Chris Lockhead. Gene and Chris, you guys have been called out. Maybe we'll change it. Maybe we won't be egging people anymore. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, that's excellent. And obviously, we, we ask, you know, we've got a lot of viewers. If um, if they want to reach out and get in contact with you, what's what's the best way for you? Yeah, you can contact me on uh, LinkedIn. It's uh, Jennifer Murphy. Um, there aren't too many Jennifers out there. Or you can uh, you can engage with me on uh, on Twitter as well. So my Twitter handle is at Jennifer Murphy. And uh, yeah, I'd be more than happy to uh, to connect and engage with your listeners. I love it. That's an open invite to them. And, and definitely listeners, take her up on it. She's uh, she's a boss. So definitely pick her brain. All right. Beautiful, Jennifer. Can't thank you enough again. Um, maybe we'll do it. We'll do it soon. Awesome. Be back on. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Take care. All right. Bye. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Sunny Side Up. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review us and share these insights with your peers.